I needed to not skate by for once in my life, and they didn't let me. At the end of the day, if you know that you don't feel good about the job, you got to be able to leave that behind. They just kept asking me to come back, and I truly love Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin. It's always great to be at WTMJ. This is WTMJ Conversations. Welcome to WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Dr. Danita Ball is the first female sheriff in Milwaukee County. But how did she arrive in that position? No, Dr. Ball, I guess I should call you Sheriff Ball, if you don't mind. (laughs) You have such a fascinating backstory. It all began in a small town in Arkansas, and you were born to a single mom. Absolutely. I was born to a single mom and raised by my grandmother until about age 12 when she passed. But during that time, she instilled some values in me that I still hold true today. She talked about my faith in the Lord and the value of hard work as well as education. And so those are three of the cornerstones of my life. After her death, I ended up in a couple of foster homes, but I've always valued education as I studied. So I was able to get a scholarship to the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville, and I graduated from there with honors. My mother was living in Milwaukee at the time, so I came to help take care of her because she was sick. And I ended up joining the police department, and I enjoyed a 25-year distinguished career in law enforcement. I rose through the ranks from police officer, sergeant, lieutenant, and I retired as a deputy inspector. I was able to get my master's degree in criminal justice administration while I was there. I also attended several leadership academies, including the FBI Academy, the Northwestern School of Police Staff and Command, as well as Wisconsin Law Enforcement Executive Development Course. I was working, trying to ensure that I was helping the citizens of Milwaukee County. And so as I went up through the ranks, I ended up commanding District Number 4, which is on the northwest side of the city, as well as I was in charge of sensitive crimes, internal affairs, and I was the night inspector where I was in charge of the entire city at night on weekends and holidays when the upper command staff wasn't there. And so I ended up retiring. And after that, I decided I was going to go into academia because that was what I was doing. So I was an adjunct instructor, ended up a applying for the subject matter expert position for Brian and Strand College. I got that. And then my direct report, which was the program director, he decided that he was going to go to another college, and I applied for that position. Ended up being the program director for their three colleges and worked on my Ph.D. And then Sheriff Lucas called and asked me if I would come and run the day-to-day operations of the sheriff's office. And so I started that in 2019. And when he decided to run for mayor, he encouraged me to run. And I did. And here I am. I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You are one busy lady. I want to back up. Your grandmother must have been a really big influence on your life. 
Absolutely. She was, especially in those formative years. That's very important. And she is responsible for my love in the Lord, as well as my faith and education. She told me that education is your key to getting where you want to go. She said hard work. She said that it's important that you work hard for what you get. And when you started you, working, you were really young. At age nine, I was mowing my church's lawn. One of the neighbors was responsible for it and asked, hey, do you want to come and work? And I did. And he ended up being my first foster family, he and his wife and his daughter. And so I also ended up cleaning the truck route. There's a building where the truck drivers can stop and rest. So their rest stop. I was cleaning that with another neighbor and uh, just learning the value of work and having a little money so that I can do things that I wanted to do. It must have hit your heart, though, when your grandmother died. It did, because I wasn't there. And she was such a big influence in my life. And at an early age, you know, I talked about education. She didn't have that much, but what she did, she bought a book of encyclopedias and child crafts and made sure that, hey, if you study these, you will learn the world. And so she was just a huge part of my life, and she was a strict disciplinary person, too. (laughs) So if I did something wrong, which was infrequently, the entire neighborhood ended up, I probably got about three whoopings by the time, (laughs) by the time I got at home, but it taught me the value of doing the right things. And she's still an influence in my life. Each time I attained a degree in education or whatever I was getting, I dedicated it to her because it was more to me about honoring the commitment that I made to her. And that was to get my education. I'm amazed with the fact that you were raised as a foster child for much of your teenage years. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids don't do well with that. Why were you not affected that way? Why was it a positive outcome for you? Well, being in a small town, everyone knew you. And so they cared about you already. And the people who were my foster parents, I had relationships with them. And I thought about the big picture. I thought about what I wanted to do in life. I wanted to do something greater than what I was exposed to. And so I got my education. I did the right things. I worked. I was in sports. I was very popular. And so because people took an interest in me, it wasn't hard for me to maneuver and do the things that I needed to do. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. We drove around for eight hours and he never said a word. Imagine spending an eight-hour shift in a squad car with a partner who wouldn't speak to you. Sheriff Danita Ball talks about it next. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with Milwaukee Sheriff Danita Ball. When was it that you first started thinking about a career in law enforcement? Well, when I went to the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville, my first major was communications. But my brother kept getting into trouble as we were growing up. And so I thought, well... 
let me learn more about criminal justice, that field. And so as a result, I took one class and I was hooked. And that was the intro to criminal justice. And I thought that if I got my degree in criminal justice or learned as much as I could, I would eventually go to law school, become a lawyer and help my mom with my brother's bills or his legal fees. And then when I joined the police department, that was my goal. But I just got hooked on helping others and thought about the community more so than him. And I ended up staying. What is it that really attracted you most, other than you wanted to help people? What is it about law enforcement that you're really passionate about? That you see people on some of the worst days of their lives. And I want them to be better because I was there. And then I realized my upbringing was the greatest. And some of the same people that I was encountering had a similar background, but they just they went one way and I went another. And so it's truly just helping people maneuver through the justice system or giving them the resources that they need or the person that they need to talk to to make that situation better. Why did you want to join the MPD? You could have joined any department, certainly when you were in Wisconsin. What was it about the Milwaukee Police Department? Well, I was also recruited by the Houston PD when I came out of college, but the MPD... Why, because, why, why didn't you go to Houston? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anyone there, and really I wasn't looking to get into law enforcement, meaning to be a police officer. I wanted to get into probation and parole, but when I got to Milwaukee, there wasn't a very high turnover rate like there is now. And so I still wanted to, although I was working, I still wanted to utilize my career. And so I was living in the city. I talked to the recruiter and he said, well, you have to have a year's residency on before you apply. That's not the case now. And so it gave me the opportunity to really look at what law enforcement do and said, I think I can do that. And so it was just another challenge for me and in the ability to help others. And a lot of police officers grew up in Milwaukee. So they know they know all the neighborhoods, they know all the people. You came from another state. Did you find that challenging? Very much so. First of all, the weather was challenging because even in the summertime, I froze to death. <laughs> it was in the 80s and I was used to it being like 100 degree weather. But also, when I first came on, I took the position that everyone was telling the truth instead of Everyone may not be telling the truth, so let's do that investigation and find out if they really are. So I started asking more questions, and then I took the opposite premise. But the fact that I came from a small town where everyone knew one another, they spoke to one another with all five fingers, and, you know, coming to a larger town when that was not necessarily the case, it was uh, challenging at first. But as you see, I was able to rise above the challenge. You also joined the police department at a time when there still were not that many women. How difficult was that to navigate? 
it was challenging because as a result, you know, you're in a male-dominated field and some of the males thought that you were taking jobs away from them who needed to provide for their family. At that time, African-Americans just started working over on the South Side and you could go to a house and they would ask, where's the real police? And call for a supervisor and luckily the supervisor would say, if you need service, this officer is here to help you. Otherwise, we're leaving. So there was still some barriers in that respect. And I also would work from time to time with a police officer who didn't say a word to me for eight hours unless it was work related. Yes. Why? Yes. I could not uh, answer that. So I it was. So you were in the same squad car. Yes. With somebody for a full shift, yes. and they wouldn't talk to you unless, check that guy out over there. Or unless we were dispatched to an assignment, and he had to ask a question or two of me based upon what the investigation was or what I found out. But otherwise, we drove around for eight hours, and he never said a word. How did that make you feel? It made me question if I was in the right field. But then I had others who were willing to step up and help me and show me what to look for, what looked out of place. And, you know, so it made it a lot easier for me to figure out what I needed to do. And once they knew that you really wanted to do a good job and you were going to back them up, you weren't going to shy away from confrontation, then they seemed to warm up to you. And so it definitely got better as my career progressed. Can you remember a particular instance when you thought, okay, they finally accept me? (laughs) I would say when I was walking the beat. (laughs) Because before, I would walk from the station all the way down to Wisconsin Avenue, and nobody would give me a ride there, and they didn't tell me, hey, you need to dress this way or dress that way. You should go into these different businesses. It gives you an opportunity to warm up, get to know them, and all of that. But when they started giving me a ride and say, what do you got on? You know, you should have this and you should have that. Then I felt like, okay, they're accepting me. Was there ever a time where you thought, I just don't want to do this. I'm going to do something else? In that time between joining and feeling really accepted, did it ever get to you? No, because I'm stubborn. (laughs) I know it's shocking, but oftentimes I'll just prove a point that I deserve to be here. And so although things may have gotten very challenging, I didn't feel like I'm going to quit. You know, this is just too much. Uh, the attitude is too much and the job is too much. So so as you grew in your career and more and more females joined the police department, did you mentor them then? Because you knew what you went through. Did you kind of think, you know what, they need a helping hand? I wouldn't say I looked at it as mentoring I just looked at, let me share with them the knowledge that I learned so that they don't have to go through the things that I went through. And so as a result, we bonded that way. But 
there were males that came on the job too that I would share that information with. So, but yeah, it was more challenging for females. And if you had a partner who didn't want to share anything with you or thought that you didn't deserve to be there, it was harder for them. So definitely want to seek them out, ask them how it's going. And that's what we did when we would encounter one another. We catch up and say, how's it going? You know, how is this person? And we'll talk about things and have you encountered this? Have you encountered that? So I guess it was a little bit of informal mentoring, but I didn't think of it like I'm going to take this person under my wing and show them the ropes. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. I thought it was important that they saw that I was doing good. I was upbeat. Sheriff Danita Ball talks about surviving breast cancer. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Let's return to our conversation with Milwaukee Sheriff Danita Ball. Looking back at your 25 years with the Milwaukee Police Department, was there any particular incident that stood out more than another? I'll say a positive one is actually the day I retired. The room was filled. There were people down the line just waiting to get in and talk to me. And it just, I mean, I cried the entire time because I just didn't know that I affected people in that way. And they kept coming up to me and telling me different stories about how I impacted their life. Most of them I didn't remember But, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, people that you wouldn't think was coming up, they were. And they stood in line a long time because that receiving line was very long. And it let me know that the work that I had done was appreciated. And so that always sticks out to me. A couple of years before you retired, Mm -hmm. you had an illness that had to be so difficult. Do you remember the day? You were told you had cancer? I do. Dr. Tijo was my doctor at the time. They had done a battery of tests, and they didn't think that it was cancer when I first came in. It's probably not cancer, but let's do the test and make sure. And so when I found out, my heart just stopped. And I never thought that I would have gotten cancer. You hear about others who are going through it and who it's a struggle. It's a battle. Some don't win and others they do. And so I started thinking, oh, my God, I'm close to retirement. One of the breadwinners in my family, what are we going to do? Then I started saying, okay, lay down what I need to do as far as my health What I need to do is for as notifications, I had a son who was attending Southern Miss. And so I decided I was going to travel and talk to him and then go to Arkansas and talk to my mom because by that time she had moved back down south and talked to my foster sisters. And I thought it was important that I didn't tell them over the phone that they saw that I was doing good. I was upbeat. So made that trip. I know the doctor was probably like, she needs to get in here and have this surgery. And so I didn't tell everyone at work 
at first because I didn't want them to treat me differently. But a dear friend of mine, Karen Dubas, she had it. My executive assistant, I told her about it. She said, do you mind if I call Karen and then she can talk to you about how she handled it? I mean, she lost hair. I mean, the whole nine yards, chemo and radiation and did all of that and came back. And so she... um was working with me in internal affairs. So she came and we had probably a two-hour discussion about it. And just because I saw that she battled and she won that battle, it gave me encouragement. And then my faith in the Lord. It helped me tremendously. I talked to my church family about it and asked them to pray And they did. And I had the surgery. I had my left breast removed. I ended up having the chemotherapy. And then I had the radiation. And I'm here today as a result of it. But just because they cared about me, meaning my coworkers, they had a fundraiser for me. They sent my family on a cruise. That was my first cruise. So I ended up finishing my radiation, I think that Tuesday, and we said sell that Thursday. I've been cancer-free ever since then, and I just thank God for it, and also my friends for caring about me the way they did. Did that make you feel, because that was, what, 18 months before you retired when you went through that? Close to two years, yes. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so you got to that 25 years, you said, okay, I'm retired. At that point, were you done with police work? And did you say to yourself, okay, now I'm going to enjoy my life? (laughs) I did say that when I retired, I'm not going to work in police work. I'll teach what I had the opportunity to learn. But before then, I did apply for a chief's uh, position in Quincy, Florida. I was one of two finalists. And so I it wasn't quite out of my system until I actually retired. And so, yeah, I was thinking that this is it. I'll teach. I'm not going to do anymore. And uh, that was not the case. And then you told us a little earlier, and I want to back up to that, how the sheriff said to you, we need you. Come and help me with administration. Was it difficult for you to make that decision to come back in, even though you had had a, a successful career at that point in academia. Just let's just say he and I had a discussion. Why me? And uh, what do you think I could bring to this position? And as a result, I prayed about it, talked to my family about it, and ended up, of course, accepting the position. Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations. When I came on the job, the trust was there, and they work well with the community. I don't know what happened, but it just turned. Milwaukee Sheriff Danita Ball addresses the criticism of police. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. And I'm Libby Collins. Our guest today is Milwaukee Sheriff Danita Ball. Since you started in police work, which is now how many years ago? Well, it was back, <laughs> it was back in 1985. So attitudes about police officers have changed during those years. Yes. What's your feeling about that in terms of how police officers were respected back in the mid-80s versus 
today where you don't always hear people saying positive things about individuals in law enforcement? It's very disappointing. When I grew up, I never encountered a police officer unless they came to our school or any stuff like that. And so then when I came on the job, I saw that the trust was there and they work well with the community. The community didn't mind sharing things with the police. And then I don't know what happened, but it just turned. And as a result, it's been a struggle. Really, there's been some high profile incidences that have created that mistrust. And you're right. There are some people who say disparaging things about law enforcement. But I've been going around the community and they say positive things. But what they want is good law enforcement, good police officers, good deputies. But if there's an incident that occurs, we all will be judged by that same broad brush just because we're law enforcement. So it has been challenging. It's going to hurt your heart. It does. The mistrust that's there, it's almost like you take two steps forward and three steps back. But we're always trying to ensure that what we do is for the right reason and we're doing the right things. And so I think that helps a lot. I don't think we're going to get the community all at once, but I think we are chipping away. You just had your first recruitment class since becoming sheriff. How do you get young people to decide on a career in law enforcement when there have been so many challenges, particularly over the last five or six years? I think we are our best ambassadors, meaning when I do the interview to see who's going to be in the class, I asked, how did you hear about the sheriff's office? And how do you hear about this recruitment opportunity? And they will list someone that came to the hospital. This is a security person or someone in their family or They took the class and enjoyed it. So I think, although it's been challenging, we are trying to change that narrative. And we just remind them that we need to do the right things the right way and let them judge us for what we do. Yes, it's hard. But as a result of that, I think uh, we've made some inroads with uh, the community But it seemed like at one time we couldn't get people to go into the career. But now you have people that really want to make a difference in their community. They want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Now, when you look at young women Mm -hmm. who are interested in a career in law enforcement, what do you say to them after almost 40 years of of knowing what it's like, (laughs) the good, the bad, whatever. But how do you tell them what to realistically expect in the career? Do they romanticize it sometimes? Sometimes because they believe what they see on television. And so we take that opportunity to tell them what actually um, goes on. We encourage them to reach out to our public affairs and community engagement team or other deputies that they may encounter to actually see what is going on. And I know some have done ride-alongs, some have participated as uh, youth, and so they sort of know what to expect. But I always tell them, you can do anything that you want to do. And so it may be harder because you're a woman, because of the perception out there, or used to be, but you can excel. You just have to put in the hard work. 
and make sure that you are doing your job and doing it to a high level. And as a result, you will be recognized. I never went into a promotion thinking that I'm doing this promotion because I want to be recognized as this and that. It's about the job. If it's your chosen career, then you will try to learn everything that you can that's going to make you successful in that career. And then you will flourish. So it's about your attitude and your willingness to do the hard work. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. If you're going to the job thinking about the risk, you're not going to excel. Milwaukee Sheriff Danita Ball talks about the dangers those working in law enforcement face. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with Milwaukee Sheriff Danita Ball. I can't think of any other job, unless you're in the military, Mm -hmm. where you put on a uniform and anything can happen. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that one of the deputies on a routine traffic stop was dragged, what, 30 feet. Things can happen. And how do you prepare yourself for that? It starts in the academy. They provide the foundation in which you're going to function. And when things get stressful, you will fall back on that training. So that training is very important. But oftentimes, well, with me, I would go over in my mind, especially when I had a partner, if this were to happen and that was were to happen, this is how we're going to handle that. And so you have already mentally prepared yourself in case it happens. I'm pretty sure that the deputy did not think that somebody was going to drag them, but it could happen. But if you're going to the job thinking about the risk, you're not going to excel and you're not going to serve the community the way that you should. Yes, it's part of the job, but I just think that your training and your preparation sort of helps you when you get into those stressful situations. When an incident like that happens where Mm -hmm. a fellow officer is injured or even worse, how does it affect everybody around them? It not only affects that agency, that family, but the law enforcement profession, which is a family as well. Because then we start thinking about it could have been us or what if it is us. But that's the time when you see law enforcement come together and we protect our own. And we make sure that the family members have what they need. The agency members who may have been on that call or may have been close friends with them, that they have what they need. That is when you see law enforcement stepping up to help their fellow person. Their partner, their colleague, just another person in law enforcement. And so it's refreshing to see that, even though it's a very sad time. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. When they say that we're not doing enough, then we have to look back at the resources that we have and work within that or the budget constraints. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Let's return to our conversation with Milwaukee Sheriff Danita Ball. That brings us to the call to duty memorial. How significant is that for officers, that that exists? It's very significant because it means that they will not be forgotten. It's an opportunity 
where their names can be edged into the memorial and people can come out and pay tribute to the sacrifice that uh, they gave. It was the ultimate sacrifice. And so we want to make sure that we are honoring them and that the memorial is the best that it can be. And so that's the reason why we're having that rededication. And that's coming up shortly, (laughs) isn't it? Yes, it's September the 12th at 3 p.m at the Academy. I have to ask you this, because anybody in a position like you, you know you get bouquets and you get all of the arrows Mm -hmm. and, and things do come towards you. But when the Sheriff's Department is criticized or questioned. I'm thinking of the Milwaukee County Board when they say things like, we want more information because there have been X number of inmates who have died in custody and they had mental illness or We need more reports from you. What's your reaction to that? I mean, in terms of everything that you know that you are responsible for and you need to give to the public and you need to come forward with it, how does it affect you when it's like you're not doing enough? Well, when they say that we're not doing enough, then we have to look back at the resources that we have and work within that or the budget constraints. But when we're asked to provide reports, We provide those reports. Now, if there's something that we can't provide for whatever reason, we say that that's still under investigation or it's a part of pending litigation or whatever the reason is. But I believe in cooperation. And I know that the supervisors do represent the constituents and who voted them into those positions. We try to work with them as much as they allow us to do and provide that information. When you say that if it's under litigation or it's still under investigation, it's important for you to protect the department as well and not give that information out before it's ready. Absolutely. And I believe in transparency. So that doesn't mean that I'm going to show you everything that you want. I'm going to tell you why I can't do that. And so one of the things that we do want to do is to protect the integrity of that investigation so that it's not compromised and, you know, we're not sharing something that we shouldn't be sharing. And in those cases where we have an in-custody death, we have an outside agency that investigates and we consult with them and say, this is the request, and we follow their lead. No, we can't release it, or no, you shouldn't do this, and no, you shouldn't do that. And they give us a reason why. And so we always believe in protecting the integrity of the investigation, because when we do that, we are protecting the county. So we believe in doing the right thing. i got to talk to you about your family. Okay. Your husband is kind of a celebrity. I mean, Odell Ball, he he was a huge star at Marquette. How did you guys meet? Well, I tell him he's a legend in his own mind, but (laughs) a uh, mutual friend introduced us. When we first started going out, there wasn't any sparks there, but I said, well, I'm not really dating anyone. And all he talked about was himself. And uh, now that I talk to you about me, what do you think about me? So, but just joking there. So we met, and uh, after probably like a month or so, sparks did start flying, and we ended up getting married, and we've been married for, it'll be 35 years in September. And you've got three kids, and how many grandkids? One. I'm waiting on some more, but... (laughs) (laughs) How long do you intend to 
continue to be in law enforcement, to continue to be sheriff. I mean, I'm sure like everybody, you want to enjoy your grandkids. You want to enjoy those cruises we talked about. And you said something about Florida. And I would suppose that during the winter, you wouldn't mind spending more time in a nice warm climate. Do you intend to stay doing what you're doing for a long time? I will stay as long as, you know, I'm healthy as long as the voters think that I'm doing a good job. But I don't want to do more than two terms. But I really enjoy what I do. I enjoy the people that I meet. I enjoy the people that uh, I work with. So I'm enjoying it. And we are enjoying you, Sheriff Danita Ball. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. We've been talking with Milwaukee Sheriff Danita Ball. What an amazing story she has. Being born to a single mother, raised by her grandmother who died far too young, and ended up in foster care. But through it all, she rose through the ranks of the Milwaukee Police Department and now is the Milwaukee County Sheriff. Now, if you missed any of this conversation and you want to hear all of it, go to WTMJ.com and share today's show with your friends and family. You'll also find a partial transcript courtesy of e-court reporters. For WTMJ Conversations, I'm Libby Collins.